0: Hello, and welcome into the Lone Star Varsity Podcast, brought to you by the University Medical Center, UMC, and powered by AJ Media. I'm Mike Graham, joined as always by Brian Navarrete, and it's week two, and we've got some good games. I mean, it's not as thick a week as last week as as far as premier games, but we've still got a lot of games we're really excited about, and those will be the ones that we're attending this week, obviously.
1: Yeah, uh, exciting first week, and then uh, in the second week, I think we're going to see a lot more uh, football, a lot more upsets, and a lot more fun going on.
0: I agree, and we're just going to rehash. We know we've done this before. We just want to get it out there one more time, a couple of teams that we are impressed with. And we'll start off with, with Coronado, which uh, beat Plainview 56 to fifty six to 14. And what can you say about their passing offense? Quay Qua Gray goes off for 350 yards, 369 actually, if I'm counting correctly. Uh, and, and just some big time playmakers. They're going to be a scary team once District Four Five A play begins.
1: Yeah, it uh, kind of seemed like he's already in midseason form early on. Uh, this is a team that returns an experienced quarterback in Quay Gray, and you knew they were going to run the, or throw the ball coming into it. But uh, I think in your gamer, you actually had somebody else play listed as the player of the game, Miguel Garcia.
0: Yeah, Miguel Garcia. Uh, unfortunately, he had to leave the game early with um, an undisclosed injury. We're, we're not on the impression it's too serious. But in the first half, he recorded three and a half tackles for loss. Two and a half of them were sacks. So, well on his way to perhaps being Texas's sacks leader for a second consecutive year. Now, the other game that really grabbed our attention, just because of the size of the two schools, was um, Lubbock Cooper's win? It's seventeen to fourteen win against Amarillo High. And later on in the show, we're going to have Cooper head coach Max Catwinkle with us to to kind of just talk, just discuss the game. But Brian, what were your thoughts? You attended that game.
1: I thought uh, defensively, Cooper looked sound. Uh, they had some impressive defensive back play as well as linebackers. I think on the line too. It's just their offense was struggling a little bit, and I believe Catwinkle kind of uh, talk about that a little bit more in depth, but. I was impressed that Cooper was able to stay in it the whole way. Because that first game, I think, is always a gauge as to where you're going to be at the regular, in the rest of the season or what you need to work on. You know, where do we need to improve and everything. And obviously, I think they took something away from that. But they stayed in the game the whole four quarters. You know, they didn't win it till fourth. Yeah, uh,
0: but before we get into him, just what were your thoughts on the team?
1: I, I thought they were impressive. Uh, like I was mentioning, the defense. Um, I was impressed with Jake Patrick. And uh, one of their linebackers able to break up a pass there at the end. And Catwinkle, like we had mentioned, we'll get more into it. But you know, uh, he was mentioning the wing tee and how sometimes that can cause some problems in the pass game, even though it's primarily run. And I think so too.
0: Without further ado, we'll bring on Lubbock Cooper head coach Max Catwinkle. Well, joining us on the line right now is Lubbock Cooper head coach Max Catwinkle and. It was a big week for the Pirates. They got a 17-13 win against Amarillo, and I mean, Coach, just tell us your kind of your opening thoughts on that game, and and how big that was for your program. You know, they they outnumber you a lot as far as student population.
2: They do, and and but more importantly, it's a big win for us just because they're they're a, this is a great program, and uh, they're very fundamental on uh, all both sides of the ball, and in order to be beat the team like that you you've got to play pretty well and uh especially for a first game of the season uh i walked away from that with a with just uh a good feeling about it we weren't perfect by any means but did a lot of good things and was able to beat a good school
0: what's it like to to coach in you know such a tight game i mean what what kind of toll does it take on your body and and how how much of a relief is it when it's over and, and you're out on the winning side of that
2: it's it's you know it's mentally draining for sure. It's a lot of fun. I mean I, I love coaching in those games, but when it's over, you're just like, oh my gosh, you know uh, you're you're exhausted but uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know it's a lot better than you know being down by 50 and trying to coach. I can tell you that those games seem to drag on forever. so uh, it's a lot of fun. It just uh, makes you tired when it's over.
1: You know, kind of reflecting on the game, uh, defense came up with some big plays for you guys. They were able to get you guys the ball back. Uh, can you talk about them a little bit, specifically maybe your defensive backs there at the end? You know, just kind of taking away that air game.
2: You bet. Um, you know, and, and and facing the wing T, that's that's as crazy as it sounds. It's a defensive back nightmare because uh, you know you're you're playing the run, which you have to, and then all of a sudden they they you know, play action, you and, and the ball's in the air, and that can be a nightmare. It's it's a lot tougher than on them as a defensive back. It's a lot tougher facing that kind of team than it is someone who, you know, comes out and you know they're going to throw it 40 times a game, you know. So I thought they did an excellent job of, of reading their keys and, and being disciplined and then uh, keeping things in front of them and, and making hits when they had to.
1: Understood. Uh you had some also some offensive players kind of step up for you guys in that game, Andrew Simnocker, um, specifically. Uh I guess talk about the offense and some of the progress you guys have made uh heading into this next game.
2: Well it was good. Uh you know, we we're we're a work in progress, obviously. You know, we're uh working a two quarterback system and I thought both of them uh played really well at times and then at other times they showed some inexperience, but uh, I was happy with them uh, for game one. And then, you know, Andrew, Andrew's, that's just Andrew, he he had a great year for us last year, and um, he's he's going to be big for us again this year. He had a great game, and uh, another guy I thought had a good game, uh, receiving wise, was Riley Keene. Uh, Riley was in the quarterback battle and, and still played a little quarterback for us on Friday, but uh, he had a good night receiving, too. So, you know we're a work in progress, but overall I was pleased with their effort and uh, just gotta gotta fix some X's and O's kind of things.
0: You kind of touched on our next question. We were wondering about the two quarterback system and if if that was something you just wanted to continue rolling with, or if, if at one point there's going to be a decision that has to be made uh, for the long term future of the program, since both these guys are juniors.
2: They are, and you know, we're you know, a lot of a lot of people look at that as a as a negative situation. I, I think it's uh I think it's uh, it's a positive situation right now. I mean, uh, early on, uh, Brendan came in and gave us a big shot in the arm and and got us some momentum going and did a lot of good things. And then Cole Carter closed the game out with a really good drive and uh, played really well down the stretch. So, you know, until I see some type of separation between those two guys, then you're going to keep seeing them trotting out there every Friday night. So, uh, and I'm going to use it as a positive, and I think they are too. So, um, if you got two guys can play, well, let's play them.
1: Understood, Coach. Uh, kind of looking ahead, uh, what do you kind of expect to see from the opponent this week?
2: You know, uh, I think we're. You know, what kind of alarms me about them is that uh, they had their open week or their bye week one. And so, really, all we have on them is some scrimmage tape, which scrimmage, you know, doesn't give you a lot of a good feel for what they do. Um, You know, they're in the second year under Coach Selman, so we kind of anticipate some things they're going to do, but we're going into this one uh, with a little unknown. They've had a little extra time to prepare for us. They've got a lot of guys back on both sides of the football, eight and nine, I believe, is uh, eight. Offensively and uh, nine defensively, so um, they just missed the playoffs last year. They're going to be hungry, and they're and they're a good program. So we we've got our work cut out for us this week.
0: In practice, is that kind of the message that that Canyon um, Randall can throw the kitchen sink at you this week if that's what they want to do?
2: Uh, you know. I, I – <laughs> I really, especially early on, I focused a lot on ourselves and making ourselves better. We, you know, we obviously prep for other teams and what they do or what we think they're going to do. But uh, right now, uh, instead of uh, building up Canyon Randall, I want to make sure we're we're taking care of us and and getting better. So um, really, not an emphasis, but uh, they know that they got a lot of guys back, and and from having played them before, they know they're a quality program.
0: Coach Kentwick, we really appreciate your time as always. Thank you so much for joining us today. You
2: bet. Thanks for having me.
0: Now that brings us to the slate of this week's games. And starting off, leading everything off, I think this one's going to be very interesting. It's Dumas at Estacado. And Brian, you'll be attending this one.
1: Yeah, I get a little taste uh, early on. Uh, This is going to be obviously a Thursday game. Uh, 7.30 kickoff, I believe, here at uh, Lowry Field if they want to get out and kind of Watched this game Um, last week. Estacado fell to Herford, I believe, and it's going to see. Now we're going to see how the Matadors respond to some early adversity, but I think they're still going to be impressive by you know district time.
0: Absolutely, I mean Estacado's loss to to Herford. I I know just from seeing the process, which you can see on LoneStarVarsity.com or on YouTube, the process making the Matadors i know that they were upset about that loss they they expected going into that game and win but they didn't and, and now there's a little bit of an axe to grind and, and here comes a very good dumas team which pasted perryton 42 to 7 in its opener and i know that there's a, a size discrepancy between dumas and perryton and there will be a size discrepancy between dumas and estacado but not a lot of 4a teams have the athletes like estacado
1: yeah and if you look at the score they didn't lose by much and i believe they were actually clawing away or clawing trying to claw back into it late in the game it was a 35-27 to 27 decision. Um, I, I think maybe the, the defense gave up some big plays. I would like to, you know, maybe talk with Shavers a little bit about it moving forward and see how they respond to Dumas, as I keep saying. But, no, I think this is going to be another good game, another close game maybe, if not Estacado's athletes really showing out in this one.
0: Now we'll have our Facebook Live prediction shows later tonight. Let's just give them a taste. What are you What are you feeling about this game without giving away your prediction?
1: Uh, I think it'd be hard to discuss any further without knowing which way I'm going to end up swinging in this game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the next game on the list, it's my game. It's Shallow Water at Level End, and I'm very excited about it just because of Shallow Water's performance against uh, an Idolu team that's usually one of the premier in Texas. Shallow Water runs away with the game 35-7 to on regional TV, and by regional I mean... The, the United States Southwest, because Fox Sports Southwest broadcasted that game. A lot of people saw it. And Shallow Water really struggled last year, but it looks like those days might be over if they can dispose of Idaloo so easily.
1: Yeah, uh, I was impressed with uh, Cutter Sparks in this last game. Um, you know, if you read the headlines, he throws a perfect game. I believe he went nine for nine, and uh, he just had a really good game. Uh, he ended the night, I believe, with 200 yards uh, passing. So, I, I I think he's the leader that shallow water needed coming into this season and i think he proved it against idaloo um according to uh, some people when you're watching that game they were all over the place you know they were running the ball stretching it out and then next thing you know they look like a past first team uh maybe well-rounded is the best way to put it so it'll be interesting how they take on Leveland, who also came away with a win this last week
0: yeah i think this is going to be a game that's defined by quarterback play because on one side you've got cutter sparks and then on the other side you've got chris gerber who had maybe one of the best debut performances at quarterback yeah that we've ever seen i mean he's he's not new to starting but he's definitely new to quarterbacking taking over for his older brother nick gerber who's now at tyler junior college so you thought there, that there'd be a drop off there and there certainly wasn't in their opener against muleshoe he scored 54 points
1: yeah uh, gerber was really impressive over 500 total yards I believe it was almost 300 um, receiving and 179 passing. I have to double check um, those stats. Not receiving, passing, rather, and seven total touchdowns. Uh, we knew coming in that he was going to be a talent. You know, uh, his brother certainly was, and now I think he's ready to take the helm and lead Devlin into another uh, playoff season.
0: Yes, yeah, semi-rivalry game too. These two teams know each other well. They're not very far apart from each other. Um,
1: both guess, sport and the red, yeah
0: <laughs> I guess levelland is the home team how much How much of a factor does do you feel like being a home team in, in high school football has does it does it depend on the crowd and, and what's levelland's crowd like in in that sense?
1: oh man, I think in this region being the home team it gives you some sort of advantage in that the crowd is going to get excited and get you pumped and Leveland is their football school. you saw what they've done in the last couple of years. they love their football out there. Now, Same with shallow water, but you know it's you're, they're, you're coming into the Lobos house, so uh, I think the fans could have a slight effect. But I think that's only early on. Um, as soon as the player, I, I think the players kind of drown out the noise after the first quarter. But it does give you some sort of advantage, and we'll see how shallow water uh, kind of faces that.
0: Well, another team that's playing at home is Coronado. It's going to have its home opener on Friday at Lowry Field against. A Wichita Falls writer program that's usually pretty good. Of course they went to the Metroplex last weekend and, and lost to Mansfield legacy. I don't know if that was a surprise. Those two teams were pretty evenly matched and it was a well played and, and tight game. What kind of what kind of issues do you think Coronado's gonna face in this game, having having won I guess having won a game fifty six to fourteen, they haven't had that experience of, of struggling in a game yet. I mean, they just, from, from wire to wire, uh, outplayed Plainview last week, and Wichita Falls Rider, a little bit bigger school, you know, has a, has a stronger recent tradition. It's made the playoffs, I think, at least five years in a row. Uh, what kind of challenges has Coronado taken in this game?
1: Um, I think, and for me, one of the biggest challenges, I think, in any second game, after you go out and you put up 50 points on somebody, now they know what you're going to do offensively. Yeah, and obviously coming into the year they already had an idea of what coronado was going to be in a passing first team but now they've seen a lot more of your offense 54 points that means you spent quite a bit of time on the field so they're going to be watching uh film and you know uh kind of just getting prepared for everything that coronado was throwing at Plainview. view and i think that's one of the biggest hurdles that coronado might face you know how much time the offense spent and Kind of maybe if they show different things uh, early on. Uh, obviously, Wichita Falls, Rider, like you had mentioned, bigger school. But uh, outside of that, I think Coronado's here to compete. I think they can compete with some teams out in the metroplex uh, if their defense can can uh, you know kind of hold the offense. Then. I think their offense has a good chance to always kind of lead them in these things and if Miguel Garcia returns. Yeah,
0: and, and that's, that's, you can kind of see that on the schedule that they they kind of leave the South Plains or, or they don't leave the South Plains but teams from outside the South Plains come to visit them. They, I think they're gearing up for something big especially after last year's loss to Colleyville Heritage not that the schedule, the non-district schedule has changed from, from last year to this year but I think that they know what's out there and they're just trying to, to keep their foot down on the accelerator the whole way. Pedal the medal.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, and this might uh, lead into us wrapping this up and getting some more content out, but Lubbock High and Andrews. Lubbock High went out and they beat Seminole in overtime, and Andrews, is, is a, it's the lower classification, I believe, but still, I think that's a good team.
0: That's right. I think it will be a competitive game, and uh, Lubbock High, if, if you've seen our coaches show, which which should be available Right around the uh, vicinity of where you clicked on to listen to this podcast, you'll see Jason Strunk, and he'll explain four key plays in their 17 to 14 win against Seminole last week. Uh, a Seminole team that made the regional quarterfinals in, in 4A Division Two, and a lot of people thought that it'd be Seminole uh, favored in that game, ourselves included. And yeah, I mean, Lubbock High just, I mean, they they like like Jason Strunk said, they kind of rope a doped Seminole. They they felt like their conditioning would make up for what they lacked athletically. And you saw that in the film, and he was able to point that out to you.
1: His description of what's going on and what happened in that game was so, I think, on the head. He pinpointed it. He broke it down to how they were able to come out with that win, and I I really enjoyed having him come in. Um, There was towards the end, you know, he's talking about that run that Isaiah Johnson had that he gave a perspective on it that I hadn't really thought about Coming uh, and watching the film. So I highly recommend you go and check that out and all the other content that we're going to have on LoneStarVarsity.com throughout the week.
0: Yeah, no doubt. We'll have previews on the games we've just talked about leading up into week two. We've got great videos, the Facebook Live shows coming out tonight. And with that, I think we're about ready to wrap it up.
1: Yeah, uh, we welcome everybody to check out the website, like I said, and uh, the newspaper throughout the week for some additional content, as well as some videos that we're going to be releasing heading into uh, Thursday.
0: Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, University Medical Center. It's going to be an exciting week. We'll be back on Saturday with another podcast, the Post Game Podcast, and I'm sure there will be some surprises.